0: This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're going to bring in my pal, Michael Falkender, professor of finance at the University of Maryland, former assistant secretary of the Treasury for economic policy, and the chief economist of the America First Policy Institute. Mike, thanks for doing this on a Saturday. Uh, I want to talk about the economy, but just, um, you know, you, you were in the Treasury for several years uh, in a key spot. What's your take? What's the deadline? What's the what's the you know X day for the uh, debt stuff now? Because, as you know, the the talks, the so-called talks are going nowhere. <laughs> <And, laughs> surprise, surprise. The Democrats don't want to cut spending. OK, that's a shocker breaking news. But uh, you have any thoughts on the actual is Treasury going to run out of cash? Can they keep looting the retirement funds? What funds? What's going to happen here?
1: You know, that they not only can keep looting the retirement funds for a little while longer, but there are some steps that if they really were facing a cash crunch, I would have expected them to have already taken. So, you know, if you really were anticipating that you were going to run out of money in the Treasury's checking account, you would start not paying certain contractors or at least taking longer to pay some of the contractors. You'd start looking at furloughing non-essential government employees so that we could elongate the amount of time that we've God. And the fact that they're not doing those things, in fact, I was uh, talking with some federal contractors earlier this week and they're getting paid early. So, yeah. you know, that's kind of standard cash management that you would do in order to elongate that. So are they, as you've said before, are they wanting to hit this time frame so that they can create the hysteria and think that they can force, um, you know, a clean vote out of the House of Representatives? So I, I don't, trust that they are really you know, negotiating in good faith because they, I think, ultimately want to shut things down and, and then think that they can keep spending.
0: Mm-hmm. Somehow force the Republicans into submission. It's not going to happen. I mean, I can just tell you, I'm in touch it's, with all people on the GOP side. It's not going to happen and
1: because the American people are with the Republicans on this. Right. I mean, poll after poll after poll that I've seen says, yes, we should... We should rescind COVID money that hasn't been spent. Mm. We should cut back on the level of government spending back to where it was prior to the pandemic. Student loans should not be forgiven. Yes, there should be work requirements. Because remember, who are the work requirements for? Able-bodied, prime-age, childless, Mm. right? In a 3.5% unemployment environment, why shouldn't the American people ask people in that situation, to work as a condition to receive food stamps,
0: TANF, and Medicaid. Yeah, you're dead right on that. You know, one of the first things that happened when they started talking uh, staff to staff was the Democrats immediately took the student loan cancellations off the table. And the other thing they did, Mike, was, uh, you know, they uh, the Republicans in the McCarthy plan wanted to stop all these greeny tax credits that were in the uh, misnamed Inflation Reduction Act because they are no—I well, mean, for a lot of reasons, but among others, there are absolutely no limits. They, those credits could go into the, like the next 25 years, and as you may know, others, uh, actually the CBO, but others like Goldman Sachs and so forth have reestimated the cost of that bill to be over a trillion dollars. They just took that right off the table. They don't want to talk about it at all, and now they're bickering. They don't—they don't want a one percent cap. They don't want any caps uh, for 10 years. I mean, you've got four and a half, five trillion trillion of savings in there uh, with the uh, McCarthy caps. They just don't want to do it. They just took that stuff right off. And, you know, I think that's why Garrett Graves, you know, walked out yesterday morning. They had a 10 minute meeting, and it was more of the same, and he walked out. I know they came back last night, but nothing happened on that. I mean, they just don't want to cut spending. They don't want to go into the student loans. They don't want you know stop the green uh, stuff. And the permitting, the permitting, they, the permits that the Democrats want are only for renewables, no fossil fuels. How the hell can you? That's not a compromise.
1: No, not at all. I mean, and, and it is the fact that they are willing to blow up talks and put the country into default for the first time exactly so that they can continue to forgive student loans that primarily goes to people in the you know, upper 30 percent of the income distribution, that they won't cut back on all of these subsidies for EVs. Because like you have said, you know, Joe Manchin intentionally in the in the misnamed Inflation Reduction Act said we need to have sourcing minimums in order to get these credits, because to the extent that the federal government is going to subsidize the transition to electric vehicles, then they ought to be made in the United States. Mm. And the Treasury Department just ignores them just ignores Mm. the sourcing requirements. And that's why Goldman Sachs, among others, has come back and said, this is going to cost us a lot more because CBO didn't think that we'd be able to make all, we'd be able to meet many of these requirements on sourcing. Mm. And so they're just going to ignore them. And that's why that piece is gone. But the fact that there's an unwillingness to bring spending levels back to where they were prior to the pandemic. I mean, Larry, you and I both know, look at how strong 2019 was. We had the biggest increase in household income. We had the lowest poverty rate, not just ever, but among all races, right? We had um, we had the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years. We had an economy hitting on all cylinders, but the Biden's view of how to run the economy is you get big government and big labor and big business all together, and you divvy things up and you remove any entrepreneurship, you remove any dynamism, and it's just government dependency, and they want to micromanage. The, they want a central plan. And they refuse to give in on anything that's going to take them away from central planning, even if it means defaulting on the government debt.
0: Yeah, I love that central planning. I, You know, I talk about that all the time. This is like Soviet-style central planning. So yeah, I, re- I remember sitting in those meetings where you were just advocating for central planning. Larry. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, your points about furloughs and contracting is very important, so we need to watch for that. The CBO report came out, uh, Michael, and uh, they said if you get through the tax date, uh, was it, corporate tax date, June 15th, they probably have enough money to get through July, actually.
1: Yeah, so I remember I used to work with um, the Office that puts together the monthly treasury statement and and do the press briefings. And there's very clear patterns. You know, April is always a a surplus month because personal tax returns come in. And then of course, June is usually a surplus month because you get the quarterly filings and the corporate tax payments. So once those receipts come in, you know, usually you run a, a surplus. So if you get past, I think June 2nd, because those security checks go out that day. Then you're back to being in a nice cash position for a little while. But, you know, because we're running a $1.5 trillion deficit this year, you are going to then start hitting some deficit months, and that's when you start worrying about the balance in the checking account again. So it's, it's not like spending is a constant stream. There are these huge lumps. And if you get past a lump, then you're clear until the next one comes.
0: Um. That's all very helpful, so one quickie we got just a minute and a half. Um, the index of leading indicators in April fell for the thirteenth straight month. What does that tell you? Uh, well, the economy continues to be in trouble we're you know we we're
1: people households are running out of money, they're hitting credit card limits, interest rates keep rising, and so um and then, with the failure of the banks, we've seen that credit conditions are tightening. So if you think about the ways that, that households primarily fund their activities, it's first and foremost wages, but they're not keeping up with inflation. Second, it's savings. Households built that up during the pandemic, but savings rates are at terribly low levels. And then it's credit. And with tightening credit standards plus credit card debt hitting record highs, consumers are running out of – households are running out of funds to fund their consumption. That's you know 70% of, of gross output. And so the result is that they're going to be pulling back. And every indicator, as you said, has been telling us that more and more for the last 13 months. So the recession that I thought would already have been here still mm-hmm. seems like it's it's coming.
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny. The, the leading indicators, uh, also things like the inverted yield curve, uh, M2 money supply. I know that's not a perfect one, but... You've got a lot of really a lot of warning signs of recession. I'm not sure the stock market at Wall Street understands that, but I was kind of shocked by the leading indicator stuff. It was our friend Joe LaVornia that brought it to my attention. I I don't follow that as much from the conference board, but that's a brutal number. It's down 8% year on year, uh, Michael, and I, you know. I I, we're not out of the woods. We may be going into the woods. That's, I think, what the uh, what the uh, bottom line is going to be here.
1: That's exactly right. And if you look at the Biden administration's budget submission, they're not at all calling for growth. I mean, this is this is an austerity government. They I say austerity in in terms of uh, there's just going to be less to go around. Right. I mean, the problem with central planning is that you remove the incentive for the private sector to generate more output. Mm. And you know, it, it, there used to be a bipartisan consensus that we wanted growth. Mm. But, you know, if you look at the baseline budget, I know I'm going to get deep into the weeds here, but I know how much you love these conversations, Larry. Just a, <laughs> if just you look a at few the baseline seconds. And then the policy budget, right? The difference between those ought to generate growth because the baseline is if we do nothing, the policy budget is if we do the administration's objectives. And yet there's no improvement in growth. No, because it's they, a re-
0: they no longer want growth. It's redistribution. You know, they don't really care about growth. They've got ideological policy objectives. It's never growth. The left is never growth-driven. In fact, it's, you know, maybe anti-growth-driven. Anyway, Mike Faulkender of University of Maryland, former Assistant Secretary of the Treasury, America First Policy. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Folks, take, take uh, quick break. And on the other side, we got my friend uh, Greg Kelly, from WABC and uh, Newsmax, we want to talk about interior the, the illegal migrants coming into the interior of the country, especially in New York. Oh my gosh, this is a big mess i 'm Kudlow. we'll take a quick break Larry Cudlow.